Who can tell me what the series is we're, we're finishing up today? Restart. How many of you have had a week that needs restarted today? Anybody at all? <laughs> one, one or two? You know, I was, uh, like many of you, I was on the freeway this week a few times. Anybody else? And one of those times, I was trying to get on the freeway, and, and it was all backed up. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I was in a hurry. You know what I'm talking about? I was in a hurry. And I was thinking, what in the world is going on? Don't these people know how to drive? Why are they all just backed up here? This is not a place to be backed up. It was, it was Adams Dairy Road, and it was, I was heading south toward the I-70 freeway, and then I saw what was going on. And it was backed up because there was a horrific accident that had just happened. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't want you to judge me too harshly, but I, here's my first thought. Oh, my goodness, i got to get out of here before this shuts down completely. I'm not even lying. That's what I thought. And then God convicted me and said, there's hurting people right here, and they need prayer. And so, I, was, I mean, I started praying for them right then. Isn't it funny, though, how we are like that? I mean, how many times does this happen where you're on the freeway, and uh, somebody cuts you off, and when they cut you off, how, how much does that really inconvenience you? I mean, seriously, was it five seconds, maybe? Maybe? And as that happens, you know, you get this kind of irritation inside, and we get irritated for so many reasons. I mean, part of it is because it's just how we are, right? They, they violated my space. This was my lane, like any of us own I-70, or even that stretch. And when that moment happens, you're going 65, because none of you go any faster than that, right? When you go 65, I mean, wherever that spot happened, that was a long time ago, and for some reason, you're like, I can't believe they did that. We have all these reactions and emotions and and it's so funny because it's like we can't even see past what's going on with us. I mean, somebody just got in my way, and I'm irritated. I need a restart. It's almost like we can't even look beyond our own needs and our own wants for just, a, just five seconds. Sometimes it's hard to let it go. And, and maybe it's because other stuff's gone wrong that day. Or, you know, maybe, maybe your curling iron broke. Of course, I struggle with that often. And maybe... <laughs> Maybe it was something else. Maybe you had a little argument with, with a family member, and, and it shouldn't have happened, and that's still rolling around in the back of your mind. And then when that little interruption happens, that adds, and then you walk in, and you're like, man, this day has already started out horrible. Isn't that funny how we are? Because we're like that. It's funny about that, too, with the car thing. You know, I was thinking about this as, as we were, Theo was actually with me when we came up on that accident, and you know, it's one of those things, as you get a little closer, you realize, oh, this is serious, and it just keeps looking more and more and more serious. You know, and a car had gone, so if you can, those of you know that, that intersection right there, I was heading right toward I-70 right there, going south on Adams Dairy, and a car somehow had come down the on-ramp, because the, the state patrol was down there, so it had to have started on the highway, and uh, somehow they left some serious uh, skid marks, and then they'd gone, launched over down into that, that, it's not really a ditch, but you know, that lower area there, and hit that tree, and that car was totaled. There's people all out there, and, and I was driving by there and just thinking, oh, God, there's people hurt, and there's cars messed up, and who knows what happens next, and, you know, and, and some of the people in that car down there were young, and I was just thinking, I was just, you know, you know how your mind just flashes all these thoughts all at once, and I was thinking, I was looking at that, and I was wondering, it's graduation time, and I know a few seniors who got cars, or not seniors, I mean the graduates here, and I thought, I wonder, hopefully that wasn't their first car. It's just a silly random thought, right? Do you guys remember when you were getting a car? Maybe, maybe I didn't get it. I wasn't given a car per se, but I remember working and, and getting a first car. Do you remember that? See, can you, I mean, for some of us, it was a while ago. But 
you know, you have in mind what you want to drive, right? And for some people, it's like, I got to have my dream car or nothing else. And you wait and wait and wait and get a car. For some people, it's like, I'll drive anything. Anybody, who's more like that? I, I, just as long as it will roll, I would drive that. And I know how it was, you know, back in the day. Have you noticed there's not many flats anymore? But, but, but remember back then? You had to know how to change a flat tire because it was going to happen. And, and I remember the cars like I had in the very beginning. I don't know about you, but for me, I was always sensitive to every little smell because it was probably my car. So I got used to certain things like the smell of antifreeze. And I knew what that was going to be. And, and, and like the smell of a little burning oil or maybe a brake pad. Or, and, and that's kind of how it was for me. I mean, those cars starting out was kind of more like that where I just had to always be ready to fix something. You don't have a piece of wire or some tape or, or something like that. And do you remember, too, how that dilemma was? Remember why you wanted a car? You wanted a car so bad because you wanted to go do things with your friends, right? But you never realized all that goes into that. Because wanting the car is just the beginning, but then when you get the car, then what? You, you need a job yeah. to pay for the things you wanted to do with your friends, but then the job takes your time right? And then the car ends up taking your money, so then you don't have money or time to do the stuff you wanted to do with your friends. It's almost like it goes backward, and you get, get more and more bogged down, and then that adulting starts happening, and you realize it's not just easy and free. This all has things going on. But to be fair, though, there's benefits to all that. There's benefits to having a car, and I think those are obvious. And even the job thing, which you have to have to have the car, there's benefits there. Have you ever thought about that? The benefits to the job thing? It's more than money. And maybe for you, when you were choosing that first job, and I know as we're going through with this with Grace and kind of talking about where she wants to work and how much she's going to make and is it worth it? And then do you remember? I don't know how many of you remember this, but having worked with young people all these years, I get to experience this, and you do with your own kids, but that joy of them getting their first check. You remember that? And they're like, I worked way more than this, and this is all my check is? And you're like, yeah, but see, it does, you gotta, you got to teach them about how the pay periods land, and it may not be all on the first check. And then I remember, I can't tell you how many students would say to me, who's FICA, and why is he taking some of my money? I don't even know who this is. <laughs> oh, it's funny that way. But there's benefits to it. You know, there's benefits. There's benefits to having a job. I mean, the work environment can be a great benefit or a bad thing, but it can be good. And then there's experience, and you put the stuff on your resume, and you learn skills to use in your next job, people skills, money handling skills, organizational skills, and all those benefits roll into benefiting you in ways that you often don't even see. You don't even anticipate what's going on, but it's happening. There's benefits. Have you ever thought about the benefits to Christianity? I mean, I'm not sure why you became a Christian. But there's benefits beyond probably whatever that thing was. There's benefits that, that, I mean, I think the most obvious ones, of course, are eternal life and, and salvation. But as we think more through that, this is hard to explain to somebody who hasn't had that experience. Just like when you're talking to somebody and you say, well, I saw that they're hiring at McDonald's. And they're like, yeah, but McDonald's. I said, yeah, it's McDonald's. There's benefits there that you probably don't even see. And as you talk to someone who may not be a Christian, and you try to explain to them some of the benefits that you enjoy, and it might be something like this, you'll say, but when you have a relationship with the God of the universe, it changes everything. And they're like, what does that even mean? 
And you try to explain to them, and it's something about it, when you, when you know him, and he knows you, and you know that you're not walking through this life alone, and that there's somebody who cares about you day in, day out, and when I have problems, I can tell him. When I have joys, I can celebrate with him. I'm, and, and, and then you can even get really Christian and weird with this, and you're like, I'm adopted into the family of God, and people are going to be looking at you like, what are you talking about? I'm a child of the king, that doesn't make any sense to them either. You can talk, though, about these benefits. I have a home in heaven. I have a great life here on earth. For some people, it just comes down to a hell avoidance strategy, though. Have you noticed that? For them, it's just about, bless you. For some of you, for some people, not you, it would never be any of you, but it's just like fire insurance. Not the same thing. Here's something sad. Think about this for a minute. For some people, once they become a Christian, it just ends right there. And they just kind of keep it to themselves. I've often thought about this. Because some people I know who've, who've got struggles and things going on in their life, and they would come up and they would say, I just wish this would all go away and I could just go home and be with Jesus. And have you ever wondered about that? I mean, if, if that was all God intended for us was to just get to heaven, then, then wouldn't he have done it more like this? Once you become a Christian, just boom, you're there. I mean, there wouldn't be a lot of people in church today. But that's how it would be. So obviously, he's got different plans for us than just that. And if you're that person, and maybe you're just, maybe things are going wrong, and you're having one of those days, and maybe someone did cut you off on the way to the church, and you're wondering, hey, did Pastor Dennis see that happen? Because I didn't really react positively. I'm not, I didn't see anybody. The roads were clear when I came in today. But maybe you need a restart today. Maybe that's what you need. I'm going I'm to put something out there today. And I want us to start thinking through this and working on this in your own heart and mind. And here's what I want to ask you to do something, because it's tempting a lot of times in church when, when the pastor or somebody's saying something in church, automatically you think it might be for your wife or your husband or your friend or somebody else. I want you to refrain from that a little bit. And I want you to interpret this and let it sink into you. And maybe even now you just whisper a prayer to the Holy Spirit. It's, Holy Spirit, I, wanna, I want God, I want you to deal with me. And if this is me, let it work in me. I'm going to put something out there. I wonder if you weren't just saved to go to heaven and you weren't just saved for all those benefits, but you were actually saved to serve. I know, that doesn't, I know right away you're like, wait a minute, that's not the deal. What if it is part of the deal that we're actually saved to serve? And you're thinking, oh, he just needs volunteers in kids department. Not, that's not it. We do need volunteers, but that's not it. It's more than that. I'm not talking about just kids because serving ends or doesn't end with just that or what you do here at church. Serving is a lifelong thing. It's, a, it's an attitude thing. It's a, it's a change of the way you live and your orientation about everything in life. If you're only a Christian for what you get out of it, you've missing a big part of it. And I'm going to give you a little peek into the whole point here, or at least one of the main points ahead of time. When you're saved to serve, it's actually a benefit. And I know for some of you right away, you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not here to give things. I'm here to get things. But, but you actually get when you give. That's just a little peek, a little, little preview. And for some of us, we need a restart. And if you could get a hold of this one thing, it would change everything. And it would make everything worthwhile. And when someone cuts you off in the freeway, your attitude would be completely different because you would wonder, What's going on in their life that they're so distracted? 
that they didn't even see me in this lane. God, what do they need? I wonder if there's a way I could serve that person. Or maybe they're in a crisis and they're super angry. Or maybe they're rushing and they're in such a hurry. And, and you're, you're thinking, rather than you're upset with them, you're praying, God, protect them. God, please help them get to where they're going and help them get there on time. And when they get there, let it be, let it be a good, positive thing for them. And God, bless them. You've ever been cut off by someone you know? That's the funniest thing of all. I've been cut off before and like, I think I know them. And then I try to speed up just to say, hey, what's up? You know, and then you, you look at them and they, you can see they had no idea. They didn't even know they did it. It's just, it just happened like they were going somewhere. Let me, let me just start with this. Jesus modeled servanthood in a way that no other person, no other religious leader has ever, 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 ever done. For Jesus, he, you think about who he was, God Almighty. Coming down to earth, the earth he created, walking, walking among human beings who he made, and then he serves them. In our minds as humans, it should have been the other way around. When he appeared, we should have all bowed down low. And, and just like that day where he, he came in you know, on Palm Sunday and people threw their coats on the ground, that should have been a daily. But he came to serve. And it was weird because the disciples couldn't even figure it out. Last week, we, we looked at quickly at that little story where, where he had already risen from the dead and he appears to the disciples and he made them breakfast. Seriously, who does that? What, what God of the universe makes breakfast for his disciples who, who abandon him on the cross? Our God does. He's the one who washed their feet knowing that within hours they were going to abandon him, but he washes their feet. He's the God who comes to earth and treats people with dignity who the world looks beyond. He treated people with dignity who who the world didn't think counted. In their society at the time, the Jews thought that wealth meant the blessing of God. And I'm not arguing against that necessarily. But what they thought was that if you didn't have wealth, that God didn't like you. And Jesus changed all that around. And he touched the people with illness. And he touched the poor. And he met the beggars and the lepers. And then in the society that was very patriarchal, he elevated the level of women and showed them respect. And he broke through the racial barriers. That's our God. He's different than all that. He modeled the servanthood from the very beginning. None of that stuff mattered to him at all. Last week we looked at Peter. Today we're going to take just a little peek at Paul. Just a little tiny peek, and we're going to look at one, one little few little verses that he wrote. But, but as we do this, I want to just give you some really background information. If you didn't know, Paul was one of the most educated of all the early church fathers. The early church people, he was the most educated. He was a Pharisee from Tarsus. That's a Roman province, so he was a Roman citizen, which meant in their society, he carried with him benefits that most of the Jews never would have dreamed of. As Americans, you know, we're pretty proud of our Bill of Rights. And as we travel the world, you know, we, we walk in a certain, a certain, I mean, the world probably looks at it as arrogance, but we walk in confidence because we know that we have the faith and power of the American government behind us. That's how Paul was. He had benefits and privileges that nobody else had. He had an education that nobody else had. He would have memorized copious amounts of the, of the uh, Old Testament He would have been able to quote all those things. He would have been trained in how to argue properly um, and argue with anybody. He was really a unique, unique individual. 
He studied under a famous rabbi. It would be as if he had gone to Harvard or something like that. He was a Jew of Jews. At one point, he brags about being part of the tribe of Benjamin and how he was circumcised on the eighth day. And he talks about how he had done everything right from the beginning. Something else, he was one of the most feared men in the early church. Because as you know, he was so zealous for Judaism, for the religion, that this upstart Christianity, he was going to try to stomp it down. And he was famous, very famous for persecuting Christians and then throwing them into court and doing whatever he could to hold them down. So famous that he had a reputation that spread out before him. And we know from the book of Acts that he was one holding the coats of those who killed Stephen, one of the first martyrs. This was Paul. And so weird then, because when we read this letter to Titus, one of, his, one of his protégés, he says, this letter is from Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. Did, did you catch something in there? Paul is a servant. You know what I would say? He was literally called to serve. Now, when you look at that, you think, how could this guy who was all those things I mentioned before, how could he change into a servant of God, a servant of Christ? What happened to him that had that happen? And you know what? Let's take a look just a little more closely at that word serve. Because in this version of scripture, the one that we used, it uses the word servant. In most translations, it uses the word slave. And in Greek, it's the word doulos. It's the same word. For most of us, we have a visceral reaction to the word slave. And as Americans, we should. We hear that word slave. For most of us, we think of one of the the most embarrassing and heinous parts of our culture and our history as Americans. For a lot of people, it brings to mind man's darkest, deepest inhumanity to men. We have a natural struggle with that. It's it's something that, that cuts across the grain of what it should be to be an American. We say that being an American is about freedom, and, and, and whether it's, whether it's our, our negative history with slavery itself or the fact that to be a slave is literally the opposite of being free. And for most of us as Americans, we think about freedom and, and how we're, it's important for us to be free. So why would anybody want to be a slave of anything, even God? That doesn't make sense. And why would Paul, being a Roman citizen, now be proud of being a slave even to God. I'll tell you why. Let me just, let's look through what in the world he could have possibly meant by being a slave, a slave of God. What he's talking about here is the fact that, that now his life belongs to another. And that still may bother your sensibilities. But when he says that, he's saying it from the perspective of someone who grew up and his whole worldview was, was, was centered around what was the Roman Empire, The Roman Empire literally survived on slavery. They had so many levels and kinds of slavery. And what Paul is talking about here is something that he would have seen every day. Somebody who was owned by another person. And he uses that example because everybody he was writing to would have immediately known what he was talking about. And for those of us who it offends our sensibilities, in a way that's a good thing because you need to understand how radical that is. It's a radical thing to say, I give up my rights And I give them over to God. But how in the world would Paul come to that decision? He was fighting all of this. He was fighting the church, Christianity. He was fighting all that. How could he make such a change? It's because he had an encounter with Jesus himself. 
It's because as he was going to persecute Christians, Jesus himself appeared to him. And what's interesting about this story is when, when Jesus confronts Paul, G- Paul says to him, he says, he says, who are you? And Jesus says, I'm the Lord, and you're fighting against me. And Paul immediately knows what he's talking about. You know why? Because Paul knew the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. I wonder if even before that moment, that in the back of his mind, he was reading certain scriptures and he's saying, oh my goodness, Jesus is that suffering servant from the book of Isaiah. That fits exactly Jesus. Maybe I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong? What if they're right and I'm wrong? I bet you he was having those types of, of moments where he was starting to question and wonder. And then when Jesus confronts him, it all floods in. And then imagine the guilt. The guilt. He probably killed Christians. We don't, it doesn't say that in scripture, but he probably had. But Christians for sure had been killed at, at, because of him, and he'd witnessed it. Can you imagine the overwhelming guilt? The Bible says that, that Paul was so overwhelmed that he, he fasted from that moment on. And as he's fasting, he, he, he comes to the point where, where um, this encounter changes everything. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when Peter and John were going into the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, and they see that beggar stand, sitting there. And the Bible says that Peter looks at him, and when he looks at him, the beggar thinks he's going to get money. And Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I have, I'm going to give to you. And he says, be healed. And the guy's healed. Then they haul him into court. And then when they haul him into court, this is the conclusion they come to. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, that they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Being with Jesus leaves you different. Talk about a restart. That restarts everything. And when you've spent time with Jesus, you want to be his slave. You want to be his rather than yours because you realize what he has for you is better than what you had imagined. And you realize the decisions that he would make and you would follow with him would be better than anything you could come up with on your own. When Paul had that encounter, it changed everything. Jesus told Paul, he said, go into this town and there's going to be a man named Ananias and he will pray for you. And then Jesus appears to Ananias and tells him the same thing. And guess what Ananias says? No way. Paul, Paul is famous for killing Christians. And this is what Jesus tells Ananias. But the Lord said, go, for Saul, later changed his name to Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Paul was saved to serve. He was saved to serve. God had a plan for his life that was different than anybody else. Why? Because he was the most perfect person to do it. As powerful as Peter was in the church, Peter was a fisherman. He could have never defended the case for Christ in front of the kings that Paul did. He could have never stood before an official's trained Romans and educated people and defended Christ the way Paul did. Paul was chosen for a specific job to serve. And as powerful as Paul was, I mean, Peter was, Paul did things that were incredibly amazing in the early church. He was saved to serve. Let me, let me just list out a couple of these things because what he did is from this moment on, he spent his entire life serving. He never even got married. He served God and he said, he actually said at one point in the scriptures, he says, he goes, I actually recommend not getting married because when you get married, then, then you're, 
your intentions and your ideas are divided. You have to take care of your wife and family. I'm focusing only on this mission. He was saved to serve. You probably know this, but, but Paul is responsible for spreading the gospel in places that, that other, the other disciples never did. We, we talk of him as, as even the 13th apostle because after Judas died and they, they elected another one, but a lot of people believe that when Paul says this, that he was, he was an apostle, one born out of time, that he was really the one that completed the twelve. Paul did this too. I just threw up a bunch of the places in the book of Acts that it talks about Paul going to and preaching and starting churches. And if you were to know where all those places where some of those names are famous because they're still modern cities, some of them are, are, are gone. Some of those cities don't even exist anymore. But all over Asia Minor, there are churches and there are Christians that Paul was the one who influenced. Maybe you know this already, but he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. More books than anybody else. And if you were to add up all the verses that Paul wrote, he comes right in there as, as one of the top. This is the guy that had an amazing restart. And it was about serving. Serving. For him, it was about serving. Because i got to be honest, it wasn't a pleasant road. He endured a lot. He endured beatings. He endured stonings. He endured, he endured the times where they thought he was dead. It's an amazing life that Paul led. He was shipwrecked. I mean, things on and on and on. But he was willing to do it because he was saved to serve. As we look at the rest of the scripture in Titus, it says, I've been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen, to teach them to know the truth, to show them, uh, that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message which, by which we announce to everyone, it is by the command of God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. Let me just put this out there for you. When you're saved and when you serve, it restarts your desires. Did you catch the switch there? Because Paul was the one who wanted to persecute Christians now he's worried about them staying Christians. Paul was the one who was trying to destroy the church. Then he ends up being the one who builds and spreads churches. Talk about a turnaround. And I, w- I would say this to you. If you are a Christian and you haven't thought about serving, and again, I'm not talking about volunteering in the church. This isn't a volunteer Sunday. We're going to have a bunch of sign-up sheets and you volunteer for everything. What I'm trying to do is reorient your mind so that you see that being a Christian is way more than just saying, Yes, I believe. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. And then you go home. It's more than that. Because if that's all you do, you're only living part of the Christian life. And God has so much more for you. Because just like Paul, he has changes for you. Look at the differences in Paul. It says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. In another scripture, he actually says... If it was possible, I would give up my own salvation so that the people of Israel would come to Christ. He was willing to pay that cost. He says here, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many, that they may be saved. God literally changed his whole desire. And what I'm telling you today, it's about serving As he served people, God increased his ability to serve and gave him even more of a desire to serve the people he was serving. It just grows. It's something that he puts inside of you, and it changes and grows and grows and grows. It wasn't that he did it out of obligation. It was his passion. He wanted to do it. It changed 
everything for him. Doesn't stop there. Because in fact, Titus was saved to serve. In the next two verses there, it says, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith, that we share. Shares the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Titus was saved to serve. He had a job to do. And Paul was very specific about it. And some of the, in the, in the original, where it says right there, I gave you a job to complete, it, it literally says in the Greek, to put things in order. It wasn't even an easy job. It's basically saying, hey, this place is a mess. You need to go knock some heads, straighten stuff out. That was his job. He was saved to serve. And I don't want it to end there. What I want us to see is that, that we've got to look beyond just who we are. I'm going to make it personal now. You were saved to serve. I came across this quote, and when I first read it, I thought, oh, that's a little harsh. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you want me to read it anyway, right? Okay. Uh, (laughs) This person said, many church members come down the aisle of the church. They get baptized, then come Sunday after Sunday just to sit, soak, and sour. God did not call you to sit, soak, and sour. He actually called you to serve. How many sermons do you think you've heard? You ever done the math? I mean, if you've been a Christian, let's just do easy math. I I prefer that. (laughs) Let's say you've been a Christian 10 years. All right? Now, let's say you haven't come to church every Sunday. I mean, who would do that, right? Okay, there's 52 weeks in a year. Let's say you missed 12, so you've been 40 times. Let's say that. So how many sermons? 400. That's a lot of sermons. That's a lot, right? I was thinking of what Justin said when he was talking about that little girl that's the same age as his little girl who had never heard the name of Jesus. And we've heard it how many times? How many times? It's amazing, isn't it? I was talking to somebody this last week about just, it wasn't, it wasn't about this sermon at all, but, but it reminded me of it because as we were talking, <clears throat> they were saying something about how they didn't know a lot about the faith. <laughs> really? I looked at them like, are you kidding me? Are you, you do. You know. You know more than most. But regardless of that, you're called to serve. And you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a college professor or, or Paul, the apostle Paul and be trained like him. Because God will use you where he, where he has you to fit. He doesn't expect us all to do the th- same things or, or, or serve in the same areas. What he wants us to do is serve where he's called you to serve. He wants you to think beyond just what's for you and what you can give. And it may be somebody who's totally unrelated to this church. They may never even, may never even know you're a Christian. Remember when we were doing that, one, that Sunday deal we were doing where we, were, we sent you guys all out and gave you money to pay for people behind you in the, in the drive-thru? Remember that? Have you ever done that? It's kind of fun to do, but what's funny about it, too, I was thinking about it this week. I did it for this guy this last week because it was one of those situations. You know at the McDonald's, you got the two lanes that go in? And you know how some people, like with the big truck, they don't want to go on the inside lane because they think, I don't know, I don't know if they just can't make the turn or whatever. So this one guy, he was waiting, waiting, waiting for the outside lane. It was making everybody frustrated because he was clogging that lane up. And then when I went on the inside lane, I got to thinking, I wonder if he knows where he's supposed to fit. You guys share this dilemma with me? Because when I go up to the window, I'm wondering, are they going to give me my order or his order? Because he really should have gone, but he didn't go when he was supposed to go. And so I just had decided, well, I'll just pay for two. And then I got to thinking, <laughs> again, don't judge me, but I got to thinking, I don't know how many people are in that truck, though. There might be a lot of people in there. <laughs> I'm, 
And there weren't, and it didn't matter. But here's what's funny. Then he pulled right up next to me the light. I was trying to get away. Like, I didn't want to see him. (laughs) Serving people looks a lot different for each of us. Every single one. Yes, we need volunteers at church. The church only runs with volunteers. That's the only reason the church works at all. Of course, we have to have volunteers. And there's plenty of areas for you to volunteer. That's not all I'm talking about. I'm talking about serving people in ways that changes everything. I'm talking about you serving even your wife and kids and your husband at home. In your house, you serve. What I'm talking about is at work, you serve. At school, you serve. What I'm talking about is you serve your neighbor. And as you do those things, God will open doors for you to share the great gospel of his son in ways that you could have never, ever imagined. Could I have the the worship team join me up here? It's not about getting noticed. It's not about getting thanked. thanked, thanked. It's not about any of those things. What it does, when you help other people, it's amazing how God changes your perspective. Sometimes I look at it and I think, I don't have time. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have that. But you know what? I can still help. And when I do, it's amazing how often I realize, God, I'm so blessed. I had no idea how blessed I was. And I feel so overwhelmed and so grateful that I could help somebody. When you do it and when you serve, it's tough sometimes because then people want to serve you. Does anybody here like me have trouble letting people serve you? I struggle with that. I want to serve you. I don't want you to serve me. This this hit me a few years ago and it's just, it, it haunts me. It's one of those things I think about a lot. I've helped people before and I had this one time where this This lady said, I was praying for this today. I was so overwhelmed. Did you realize you are the answer to people's prayer? That there's times where God is answering literal prayers with what you do and how you help and how you serve. And it could be the smallest thing. It It could be the smallest thing. Here's what it's about. Again, it's not about being recognized or any of those things. And it's not about, again, volunteering in the kids' ministry. It's about your attitude and and your obedience and your gratitude for what God has done for you and how you can serve. I want this verse in Colossians, work willingly at whatever you do. Whatever is pretty big. It's pretty broad. Whatever. As though you were working for the Lord rather than people. That's in the New Living Translation. The NIV, I like how this says this. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. We are all slaves of God. And what that means is we serve where, in whatever field he wants. And we do whatever he wants. And, and here's what's great about a godly master as opposed to a human master. He matches what he wants you to do with the giftings he's already put inside you. And he grows things in you that you never even knew were there. And when he asks you to do something... It's something that he can birth in you that is, that is more than you could have ever, ever imagined. So how do you do that? Here's what you do. You, you look for, for needs that are felt needs, things that are obvious. You can see when somebody's in need, right? You see it, and they feel it, and you can help them. You can, you can do this when, when you perceive that something's there. You can do it when it's even unspoken. But I think the biggest thing is that you are looking for those things that, where you can serve, that it's a, it's a position and an attitude of who you are. That, that you wake up in the morning and no matter if your curling iron doesn't work. 
and your shirt needs ironed and and the car is low on gas and your tires flat and all everything's going wrong and the freeway entrance is backed up and you're already late and you're embarrassed and you've got to hurry and nobody's moving and all those things are coming and you say God is there somebody you need me to serve today is there somebody that I could be an answer for prayer an answer to prayer for today is there a way that that I could be you in the flesh right here and be your slave today I want to be whoever you want me to be today I want to have the right attitude at every moment I want to serve your people as if it's you working for you I want you to shut your eyes for just a moment, if you would. I ask you to do this in, in public because it gives us a sense of privacy in a room full of people. And I just want to ask a couple questions. The first question is probably the most important question you'll ever be asked. I want to know, do you know this Jesus? This Jesus who serves us in that kind of way? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him where you trust him and, and he pours into you and he's really the person you serve? If you do not know him like that today and you would like to, it's a very simple thing. We would just all pray with you. Anybody here want to know him today and you don't feel like you do? Anybody at all, just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. All right, here's my next question. Simple question, really. I'm wondering who here would with me say, as difficult as it is, I want to I serve. Anybody raise your hand and say, I do want to do that. I want to serve. Appreciate that honesty. And here's going to be my prayer for us today. Would you all stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us that God would help us to do that. And as we do most Sundays, I would love for, for those of you who pray down here at the front, pastors, wives, boards, and wives, and all of the, the prayer team. If you would come down, Justin, if you would come, pray for people. If you need prayer for anything, it could be anything. It could be something that God put into your heart about in the sermon today. It could be if, if, you're, if you're ill and you need healing, whatever you need, we want to pray with you. But I'm going to pray with all of us. And as, as, as I pray for all of you, if you would just take some time and come out and be prayed for, let's do that. Father, I lift up our people today. I include myself. God, we want to be your hand extended to a world who is in need at every moment. God, I know that there are people who are praying for things and you are needing us to serve. I pray, oh Lord God, that you would put that on our hearts and that we'd be obedient to that today. That you would make those changes in us, that we would see those needs and react to those needs and answer them in Jesus' name. As a worship team leads us in a song, I just invite you, if you need prayer, and then we'll dismiss in a second.